We start off with a word of prayer today. Would you just bow your head with me? And as we do this, just open up our hearts today as we just say, God, we just want to hear from you. And so anything that's distracting us today, anything we're carrying with us, we just pray we'd be able to take it right now and put it before your throne. God, what we want the most today, or what I want the most today, and I pray the rest of us, our hearts cry is that we just want to hear from you. We pray that your Holy Spirit would transform us today. Your Holy Spirit would convict us today. Your Holy Spirit would make us look more and more like you. Because, God, we don't just want to show up to church today and do church and sing some songs and hear a nice message. But, God, we we pray that you would speak today. And so, God, I pray it wouldn't be my words, but it would be your words. And if there's anything of me in this, God, that you would just... Strike it from people's ears. God, I just thank you for who you are and how you're going to work today and pray for your spirit to show up in power and transformation and miracles in our life today. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, church, you know, I've noticed something over the last few weeks. I've been watching different news stories of people stepping out and kind of going against the grain of culture and going against the grain of science and authority. And some of those things have ended really, really badly. Some of those have have, are still, the jury's still out. But as I've been watching these different stories go on, the way people react to them, I've just kind of noticed a trend that happens in our society. I, I don't know if you've noticed this, but sometimes people are really, really mean. Anybody notice that? Like, we really enjoy mocking things that go against culture, and we almost, like, are waiting for it to fail so we can go, see? You know, there there was this guy named Dr. Zimmelweis who was from Hungary, and he had this crazy, crazy idea, like, absolutely insane, nuts, bonkers idea. You want to know what the idea was? That you should wash your hands. That maybe if you're helping women give birth and handling newborn children and touching open wounds, that maybe you should actually wash your hands. The thing was, um, that was such a controversial idea that he literally was committed to an insane asylum because he, he just had so much pressure of all these people that were coming against him and were fighting against him and saying all these negative things and making fun of him and mocking him. Because he had this stupid idea that maybe you should actually wash your hands. There's another one that I love. There's a quote from the British Parliament. that that They had a group that was looking at an American invention that was getting popular in America. And they had this quote that I love. They said, this new invention in America is good enough for our transatlantic friends, but it's unworthy of the attention of practical or scientific men. Anybody know what that invention was? The light bulb. I don't think they use it over there now either. There's another one. There's a French general in 1911 that was talking about a new invention also coming out of America. And he said, you know, they're, they're nice, interesting scientific toys, but they have no real military value. That was the airplane. There's another one I love. The, the CEO of Blockbuster, Jim Keyes, in 2008, I just, I just love this quote. He says, neither Redbox nor Netflix are even on our radar screens in terms of competition. He said that in 2008, six years later, they were bankrupt. Now, why do I say that? I say that because 
Every single time, if you look throughout history, that someone goes against culture, goes against the grain, stands out as different, does a different business model, does a different scientific idea, does something that steps against culture, there's always like a ton of people that love to just mock it, make fun of it, and say, oh, that'll never work. It's almost ingrained into our humanity that the moment someone starts swimming against the current, we, we try to almost knock them back down. Like, if you've ever heard the story of the crabs in a bucket, like, you can actually put one crab in a bucket and it might be able to climb out. But if you put like a bunch of crabs in a bucket, no crabs will get out of the bucket because one will start to get up and the rest of them will kind of pull them back down. And that's kind of how human beings are. Like the moment someone starts to go against culture, we just want to hit them back down. And the problem with this is that it can ingrain in us as people this fear of being different. Has anyone else had that fear? Like, of really being different. I'm not talking about dyeing your hair a crazy color or doing something a little different. But truly going against culture, sometimes this, this fear is ingrained in us to where we almost feel like we, we can't. We can't go against culture. We, we, we can't go the wrong way. We want to strive to fit in at all costs. But see, right now we're in the book of First Peter. Last week we did the first half of chapter 1. Today we're looking at the second half. And as we look at First Peter, it's amazing that over and over again, Peter is assuring the people that he's talking to that they are, in fact, different. He uses words like aliens and strangers and exiles and peculiar people. He's using these words over and over again because he's, he's telling them to embrace this identity of being a different people. One of the things I've noticed is that the, the day I, I realized that I'm just a little weird, I'm a little different, and there was so much freedom for me the day I, I just realized I'm kind of a weirdo. There, there's freedom for you in that. Matter of fact, turn to someone right now and say, listen, I'm a weirdo. If you did that, good job. See, see the thing is, one of the things I have found in my life is that being a weirdo, being a little different is extremely necessary to be a follower of Jesus. See, if I'm not okay being different, then I'm probably not okay following Jesus. Because what Jesus calls for is not something that goes with the flow of culture, but actually something that stands out from it and looks a lot different. And Peter is going to share with us how to be a people who are truly different. And so if you have your Bibles today, we're in 1 Peter chapter 1. I'm going to be looking in the 13th verse, and we're going to be going through the rest of the, the chapter and then looking at some individual pieces together. So Peter writes this. He says, Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy, because I am holy. Since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him. And so your faith and hope 
are in God. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart, for you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. For all people are like grass and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. The first thing I want to pull out of this today is this. The first thing we have to do to act different is we have to think different, which means we have to prepare our minds for action. In in 1 Peter 1.13, we see it says, Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed as coming. If we go to the New Living Translation of this, it says, So prepare your minds for action and exercise self-control. Preparing our minds for action and exercising self-control. I, I don't know if you ever had a moment where, where you've, you've looked at someone and just went, what were you thinking? Like someone does something and you're like, what, what on earth was going through your brain? I, I think we can go all the way back to, to Genesis with this. Looking at Adam and Eve and you're like, what were you thinking? Like you, had, you were in the garden with God Everything was perfect. Now I got to get up and do work and do things. All because you decide to eat the stupid fruit. What were you thinking? But of course, that's part of the sinful nature of human beings. We're selfish because the only thing I can think about is me and how it affects me, right? The thing is, over and over again, we see moments where we ask people, man, what were you thinking? We have so many moments where we just think, man, what were people actually thinking? And the thing is, what the Bible says is that we need to intentionally look at how we think about things because how we think about things determines our actions in life. In fact, life change in many cases comes from understanding how we think and what things we're thinking are actually wrong. In in Romans 12, 2, it says, Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your Mind. How many of you understand your thinking really, really matters in life? Like there's so many studies that have been done over and over again that show that how you think about a problem, how you think about something in your life, it it is immensely connected to how successful you're going to be. There's a quote that my dad used to always use from Henry Ford. It says, whether you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. Now, I don't know if it's actually true or not, but my dad used to just drill that into me over and over and over again. What he meant by that was this, that, that son, if you go into something thinking, I, there's no way I could possibly do this, then you, you'll probably fail. But if you understand that, yeah, I can, confidence will get you a long way in life. Ralph Waldo Emerson says it this way. He said, sow a thought and you reap an action. If you sow an act and you, you reap a habit, if you sow a habit... You reap a character, sow a character, and you reap a destiny. I don't know if you've ever seen someone's life just go completely off the rails because they had really bad thinking in their life. You ever seen that? Like a really bad thought process in their life. Like, Like that person who continually falls for internet scams. Like they, they've had like like nine girlfriends that they've never met before. Or they just keep having them over and over and over again. I've known those people. I've known those people that have thrown away their entire marriage because they thought their thought process was that the grass was greener on the other side. 
I've unfortunately known people that have taken their own life because they had this thought process, this thinking that nothing could ever get better, that life would never get any better, that they were worthless. See, whenever you look at people that end up in a destructive situation, whether it's addiction, whether it's horrible decisions, oftentimes you can go back to a thought process that was flawed. A thought process that that had something inherently built into it that was a lie. You know, so often what Satan will do in our life is he will lead us to a path of destruction or try to lead us to a path of destruction by trying to insert little lies into our life. And if you look at so many Christians who are struggling in this life, so many Christians who are struggling at following Jesus, oftentimes the struggle doesn't stem from something God said, but it stemmed from a little lie that's kind of built into their, to their thought process that they don't even know is there. See, the thing is, if we're really going to follow Jesus well, sometimes we have to look at how our brains are wired. We have to train our brain. And oftentimes what training our brain means, we have to have a mind that's sober. We have to have a mind that's self-controlled, as the verse tells us. I love what it says in 1 Corinthians 9. It says, all athletes practice strict self-control. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal one. And then in Titus 2, it says, and we are instructed to turn from godless living and sinful, sinful pleasures We should live in this evil world with self-control, right conduct, and a devotion to God. See, what self-control actually is, 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 it's the choice of doing what's right regardless of what we want. In fact, I think one of the biggest temptations in our life is to do what's easy versus what's right. That's why, I'll tell you what, so many of the bad decisions I make in my life is because I make the easy choice in my life instead of the right choice. I mean, let's just go with health food, for instance. Right? I mean, the the idea of eating nothing but salads sounds really good. But that choice is really hard. And Twinkies are delicious. And so is ice cream and cake and all these other things. I I have an issue with sugar. I'm, I'm working on it. But see... The thing is, so often to, to change our, our, our lifestyle often means that we have to change the way we think about those things. And how do we do that? How do we change our brains? How do we change our thinking? Well, it starts by this. We have to examine our thoughts. What things are we thinking? What things do we believe in our life? We have to examine our beliefs in life. What things do we believe? What things do we believe about God? We have to examine our habits. What are our habits doing? You know, it's so often, it's amazing how many people say, man, I'm really struggling with God. I feel like God and I just aren't talking that much. I feel like God is far away from me. And then you say, okay, what habits do you have in your life? And they say, well, I mean, what do you mean? Why are you reading your Bible? No. Are you going to church? Well, sometimes. Okay, are you you praying? Are you talking to God? Eh, No, not really. It's been a while. Hey, that, that's kind of like me saying, you know, man, my wife and I, like, I just feel like we're, we're just, our, our, our relationship is really on the rocks right now. And you're like, okay, what are you doing? Well, I'm living in another state and I haven't talked to her in six months. Well, that might be the issue. See, we have to examine our inputs in life. So often what is being input into our life actually isn't helping us. Whether it's the things we watch, the things we read, the lack of things that we read. 
So often our thought processes in life are determined by what things were being input into our life. For instance, if I spend several hours watching television but only five, ten minutes with God, eventually one of those things is going to win out. The biggest thing that is going to help my thought life, is going to help how I think about the world, is going to be what things I input into my life. It's so incredibly important. The second thing is this, that we, that we need to do. First thing we do is we work on our thinking, we examine our thoughts. The second thing is this, we fix our hope. And for, in verse 13, Peter writes, Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. Hebrews 12.2 tells us this, Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. This key word here is this word set or this word fix. He says, fix your hope, set your hope on Jesus coming back. Hebrews says, fix your eyes on Jesus. It all means the same thing. It means what you're focused on matters. What you're focusing your eyes on matters. Are you focusing on Jesus and him coming back? Or are you focusing on all these problems that are in front of you right now? Because one of the, because what you focus on is going to have an extreme impact on you. In fact, I, I want show, to show you this as an example. I got a video I'd love for you to watch. Check this out. Saw the gorilla the first time. Anybody? Everybody saw. Okay, we all pretty much. That, and how many of you had seen a video like that before? Anybody? A few of you? Yeah, yeah. I remember the first time I saw a video like that. I was just blown away because it, it, it was a little bit different. It was by the same company, but a little bit different. And I remember, yeah, they said, "Oh, did you see the gorilla?" And I'm like, "No, definitely didn't. No." And then they play it again. And you're like, "Oh my gosh!" It like waved at me, and I didn't even see it. I was so determined. No, I'm going to count how many passes. And then I love this one, how it kind of throws you off a little bit of, of yeah, okay, did you see the girl? Yeah, but did you also see this and this? And why? the reason I love that video, those kind of videos is because what you're focused on matters, doesn't it? If you're focused on the giant gorilla out here doing this, then you're probably going to miss some things going on behind it. If you're focused on, on, on watching these other people making passes, you, you might miss the gorilla, you might miss something else. And in the same way, if I'm busy watching all these other things over here, watching people make their little passes or their little, their, their little things going on over here, if, I watch, if I'm watching what other people are doing, I might be missing what God's doing. If I'm focused on the 800-pound gorilla in the room, the devil, which is really all the devil is compared to Jesus, it's just some dude in a gorilla costume, but he looks scary. If I'm focused on what he's doing, I might be missing what God is trying to do in my life. And that's why Peter is saying, listen, you need to fix your hope not on what's going on right in front of you, not on your job, not on politics, not on the government, not on your own hard work, not on the lottery, not on what some other people say about you. But you need to set your hope on Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith. Because when, when your focus is... is Fix on him, it'll change everything else in your life. But if we get so focused on everything else around us, all the distractions that are happening around us, we can miss what God is trying to do in and through us. So the second thing we need to do is fix our hope. We have to really ask ourselves, what is it that I hope in? Who am I hoping in? Who am I focused on? The third thing is this, to live in obedience. So as obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. Now, this one is interesting because as you continue on, it kind of paints this picture of what it looks like to be obedient. We all kind of know the idea of obedience, right? 
We understand what it means to obey God. It means do what he tells us, do what he says. But it's interesting because you see, as, as he continues on, that obedience leads somewhere. Obedience leads to holiness. See, in verse 15 and 16, he says, But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do, for it is written, this is Jesus talking, be holy because I am holy. Now, how many of you think that would probably fix a lot? Like you read that, it says, be holy. Like that would probably fix everything in your life. If you guys would all just be holy, if I would just be holy, then, then it would probably fix some things. But there's a problem with it, isn't there? And so sometimes we read verses like that and we think, wow, holy guacamole. Like that's setting a high bar, isn't it? And sometimes we read that and we think, well, there's no way. I've even had some people who really try to kind of you know, push that verse away for a little bit because they're like, there's no way. I can't be holy. I can't do it. And that's the thing. That's the thing that is all throughout the Bible is that you can't do it. On your own, you are not holy. You will never be holy enough. You will never be good enough for God. God never asked you to be good enough. In fact, the term holy means to be separate or set apart for God's use. The thing is, holiness doesn't have as much to do about my perfection. It has to do with how much I'm set apart for God's use. Because when I'm set apart for God's use, then all of a sudden I start looking more and more like Jesus. Because when I'm set apart and saying, okay, God, you use me, you perfect me, you shape me, you mold me, suddenly it's going to start changing the way I live my life. See, as it continues on, verse 18, he writes, For you know that it is not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from our ancestors, but with the precious blood of Jesus Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the, of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him, so that your faith and hope are in God. See, we're called to be a holy and chosen people, set apart for God's use. But the only way we do that is by a relationship with Jesus Christ, by him working in us and perfecting us. And so often we we look at that and we think, well, I can't do that on my own. And that's the amazing story of the Bible, is that you can't do it on your own. Basically, the whole entire Bible is God creates man, Man messes it up, and then God spends the rest of the Bible chasing after him, and over and over and over, and you see man trying to do it on their own and failing. Men and women, let's include women here too. We're not just, you know, because women mess it up too, probably not as much as men. But over and over you see in the Bible, men and women trying to do things by their own understanding. The Bible says there is a way that seems right to a man that always leads to death. Jeremiah tells us that the human heart is wicked above all things. Over and over again, us trying to do it on our own always leads to destruction. And sometimes we think about being a people who are set apart, a people who are different, and we try to make ourselves different to the world around us. So we we start defining ourselves based on what's different about us. Like, as Christians, here's what's different about me. Like, I'm different than you because I believe this and this. And I'm different than all all the rest of the world because I believe in this and this, and I, I won't do this over here. That's what defines me as a Christian. 
That's what defines me as a follower of Jesus. And those things may be true, but so often in our life, I remember when I was when I was younger, we used to have this lazy river at a pool I used to go to. And, and I, I remember there would be some moments where, you know, as you're going around the river, you, you, there's kind of this opening to get out. And so often, you, you, you might kind of miss the entrance. And we think, you know, and so I, I try to turn around and go back to the entrance. And it's amazing how hard it is to go against this current. I'd be trying and trying and trying, couldn't quite go until finally I realized that what I had to do was I had to reach out to the stairs, I had to grab onto the handle, and just hold on. And so often in our life, I think what we try to do as Christians is we try to swim against the current. We think that our job as a Christian and a believer to be different means we're swimming against the current, means we're fighting against culture, means we're, we're being different than everyone else. When in fact, really, what the invitation of the gospel is, is not to be different than culture simply for the sake of being different, but to stand on the rock of Jesus to grasp on firmly to who he is and allow him to work in us and change us. And by that, we're going to end up being different. By that, we're going to end up being holy. By by reaching on to him and holding on to what he has called us to be, he is going to make us different. He's going to make us holy. He's going to make us people who think differently. He's going to make us people who act differently. And it's going to do something that changes the world around us. See, as we become more and more holy, more and more set apart by God, looking more and more like him, it's going to lead somewhere really cool. It's going to lead to love. See, holiness always leads to love. If you have anyone who thinks that they're really holy and they don't love people well, they're probably not that holy. Because the more I get closer to Jesus, the more he makes me be loving to people. In 1 Peter 1.22, he says, Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth, so that you have sincere love for each other. Love one another deeply from the heart. Holiness always expresses itself in the terms of love. In John 13, it says, Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples, Jesus says. See, the thing is, how we love each other really, really matters. And it starts, first of all, in the church fact is, if I have an issue with someone in the church, a fellow believer in Christ, and I don't like someone who claims to also be a believer in Christ, man, that's a big issue. Because I'm supposed to be set apart as someone who loves people well within the church. Like as a believer in Christ, I should be loving people well. And if I'm having problems with that, that's a big issue. And same for any of us. If we have issues in the church, divisions, People on the other side of the aisle that we don't like that much. That's a big, big issue. But then also it comes out in how we love other people. See, the more that we allow God to work in us and change us and make us a different people, the more we're going to love people well in the world around us. The more we're going to be the kind of people that people go, man, I really want that person on my team. Like, I want, I want that person. Like, I don't even know this person, but there's just something different about them. The kind of people that, that bosses desperately want to have on their team because they're so honest and loving and kind. The kind of people that, that, man, I don't even believe what those Christians believe, what those Jesus freaks believe, but man, I just want them here because every time they show up, they're just so loving and they're, they're so willing to serve and they're so willing to give and they're so generous. That's the kind of people that we're called to be because Peter understands here that he's talking to a people that are becoming more and more the minority. 
that are, are truly in a place where they're about to get squashed by the government. But the fact was that he's calling them to be a people. And what actually happens, as you look at history, that they were a people that were so different. They were so loving. They were so compassionate that eventually people were like, what is going on here? We keep trying to kill you and you keep loving people. What is wrong with you? The fact is, there's going to be a day where Christianity is no longer the dominant religion in this country. We're, our, our, our children and grandchildren, my, my children and grandchildren, are going to probably grow up in an area where they may be really looked down upon. It may not be beneficial to be a Christian. But my hope and my prayer is that I'll be raising them in a way that one day, as they go about their life into their schools and their workplaces, they'll be the kind of people who are so different that other people around them go, I don't know what it is, but I want that from you. People that truly think different, that act different, that leave holy lives and truly worship God in everything that they do. That's my prayer for each of us today as well. If you join me in a word of prayer. God, we just come before you right now. We just want to respond by saying, Lord, help us to be different. God, if there was anything that I said today that wasn't of you, I pray you just strike it from people's minds. I just pray that your Holy Spirit right now would just be drawing things up in us of ways that we can be different, ways that we can look a little bit more like you, ways that we can truly be more set apart for your work, that we can truly think different and act different and examine how it is that we live our lives. God, help us to focus on the things that are most important. Help us not to get so focused on all the things that are around us, but help us to focus instead on you. And God, all throughout this week, would you just draw us closer and closer to you. And we thank you for who you are and what you're going to do. In your precious and holy name we pray. Amen.